I see we are jacking into our spaceships, getting ready for the ride this week. Okay, let's try this again. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> I, can, I can see everybody's gearing up in their spaceship, getting ready for this week's journey. We have pilots, everybody, everybody get your, get your, yourselves ready. We're gonna take off. <laughs> We're gonna, oh. We're going to go through the door. <clears throat> okay. I this my name is Clinton Callahan. It's not my fault. That was my father's name also and his father's name before them. So I knew both of those guys and there were three of us at one point. And so I'm I uh, am I have that name and I decided to keep it. And I have a passport from Germany having the same name. And so when I ask you to call me Clinton, that's because then it's the name that's in my passport. And if your name that you're asking people to call you is different from the name in your passport, that is some kind of energetic conflict. And you might want to check it out. It becomes a little bit difficult to be yourself if you're using a fake name. And the way to get your name not fake is for there to be an alignment between your passport and the name that people call you. So I don't know who I'm talking to out there, but Archetypal Lineage said I needed to say that. So who, who am I talking to anyway out there? Who's got, who asked people to call them by a name that's not in your passport? Anybody? One, two, three, four, maybe. Dor, you keep your hands on the wheel. Pontus, keep your hands on the wheel. Like, you have to, don't let go. All right. Okay, you've been warned. So, you know, if you're trying to be yourself or have a relationship and somebody says, I'd like to be in relationship with you, and you tell them to call you something else besides the name in your passport, the angels are watching. The angels of archetypal love are looking over your shoulder every moment. <laughs> don't look back. <laughs> Janet, you can't do that. I don't know where you're driving, but don't laugh so much. The police are going to think you're on drugs. 
All right. <clears throat> There's door. Okay. Door, we now we can start. You look a little wet. I feel glad. Hello, Phyllis. Coming into focus. Michelle, nice to see you. Okay. Awa, you're there. All right, all you guys. Uh, you missed out on the uh, the archetypal angels explanation, but check out the recording and you'll be able to figure out what I'm talking about. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Hydrun. Hydrun, you haven't been here before that I remember. Have you been here before in this study group? Uh, you must have been on page seven. Sometimes I, I can't flip all the way to page seven because there's just so many people on here. It's so full of love. This place is so full of love. I can't wait. I come back every week and I go <sighs> like that. I'm just gonna everybody, I hope you guys are letting this in because most of what's happening is not spoken with words. Most of what's happening is coming in at the energetic level around the entire planet Earth. And Vera, like you can't eat while we're doing this, okay? Really not eat this is not an eating space you want an eating space i'm going to stop talking really this is not a munch mouth space <clears throat> you'll be missing stuff if you're eating really i'm serious all right we've got a and chloe and i've been cooking something up very special for you guys and it's going to go like this she's going to divide you up into pairs and we don't know who that's going to be it's going to be a random surprise thing so you're going to end up in some you have to click on the little join the breakout room you have to click on the join the breakout room button but i'm chloe's going to push this random number generator and send you guys out there you'll be in pairs we're going to give you three minutes or so <clears throat> get to know each other just three minutes just to kind of say hello to whoever you end up with and then we'll send a question to everybody and so first one person answer the question to the other person and you have to figure out when it is you have about three minutes then you change roles and the second person answers the first question so that's six minutes <clears throat> After the six minutes, Aunt Chloe's going to send you the killer question, the second question. So you'll see it on your screen. The second question will arrive. And you go back to the first person. And, and look, when you answer this second question, you have to cry. So try to let yourself cry at the second question. And the first person, you don't rescue them. You don't offer them tissues or hug them or anything like that. Okay, you just listen to them and respect what they're saying, what they're sharing with you. Trying to listen, let it all the way in. And after three minutes, you switch again. And the second person asks, answers the second question. And then Aunt Chloe will push the magic button. You all, it's like Mr. Wizard, we'll call you back home and then We'll jump into the Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, Building Love That Lasts study group.
I presume there are no questions, that, but that could be a false presumption. Does anybody have any questions about this? What's going to happen right now? Yeah, I yes. do. Larissa. I don't know if I heard you collect, uh, correct. Um, did you mean we have to cry or we have to pry? I didn't hear you. Cry. With, cry. Okay. There's two kinds of liquids. There's a little bit of liquid that comes out of your eyes and nose. And that and you can use tissues for that. And a big kind of liquid is when you barf. So both, and but really try to let, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to let, I'm trying to make a space where the, the like some of our core, our core conflicts with being a human being in a human body come from. And our unfulfillment and our, our strategies, strategies for survival and all that comes from this stuff, okay? So try to, on the second question especially, try to let yourself feel how big this thing really is. Great, any other questions? All right, so Anne Chloe. Yes, I, I do, I, I uh, came in late, so I missed the initial instructions. Could you synopsize it for me? And Chloe's sending you out in pairs. You have three minutes to meet the person you're with, then she will send you a question. If one person answers that question for three minutes, it's not a discussion. Second person listens, and then second person answers the first question. First person listens. Then after that six minutes, and Chloe sends out a second question. Try to let that second question bring tears to your eyes. Like actually let your heart speak in the second question. And then the second person answers the second question, first person listens, and Anne Chloe calls everybody back. Any other questions? Is the first three minutes um, one and a half minutes each or three minutes each? It's three minutes altogether. So I don't care how you do it. You can do blah, blah, you know, you can both talk at the same time or any way you want. You got three minutes. Anne Chloe, you ready? Voila. And Chloe, everything okay? Ms. and Chloe Destremo, is everything okay? Yes. Okay. Does anybody wanna share anything about what we just did? 
for we have a couple minutes we can anybody wants to say anything i would like to share go ahead um i actually forgot that we were supposed to cry in the second question but i started crying naturally and that's what made me remember and i just thought that that was cool thank you Somebody else? Boris. For me, it's always incredible how these questions in such a short time are making a, such deep connections. It's... Yeah. This is not really on this subject, but, and Chloe and I have been in several global online conferences, and we were shocked how shallow the interaction was kept. It was kept superficial and shallow for a very long time, and it's totally not necessary. You know, it, this is, there's so much potential in connecting immediately even from so far away with strangers. I talked to somebody I never talked to before, and in 30 seconds, we were talking about stuff I never talked about before. So I, I hope you can ca carry this on and share it in your other circles. Yes, Ms. Harrison, you have to turn your microphone on. Um, okay. I find it very interesting that I just don't only connect with myself. I connect, connect so deeply with my partner. It's the double thing because um, love didn't fail. It, it was the way I was um, trying to love or not. Because um, I think love doesn't fail. It's, um, that was quite... Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pontus. Thank you. Vera? Um, I was saying that Pontus has his hand up for a while. Go, oh, Pontus, go ahead. I couldn't see you. Go ahead. Love failed me, and how I failed love uh, are very connected, I'm seeing now. Because um, I was always trying to um, make my box, find another box and, and make them fit together. Um, and there was no authenticity in it. And now, I don't really know what love is. And right now, I don't know if I'm just feeding my gremlin when I'm meeting someone, or how do we meet from a deeper level? I don't know. I don't, pre I don't pretend to know Pontus, but I want to share something. 
Yes. Just look closely, all right? Just don't say anything for a minute. Just, just watch. How many people feel connected to Pontus by what he just shared right now? How many people? Pontus, just let it in. Don't blow it out your lips. No, really let it in. Fuck. No, just keep letting it in. <laughs> just keep letting it in. <laughs> because this because what you did was you were authentic about your inauthenticity. You are authentic about being inauthentic. And that's the way. That's the way to connect. You just, people are still doing this, man. You just keep letting it in. People are still, people got what you just opened up. This is a huge thing for us. You know, in this society, modern society, of trying to look good on Facebook and trying to be cool and all these ways that don't connect. The way through is to, is to, is to be authentic about our inauthenticity, is to, is to stand there broken and not know how. And don't leave that space. Don't leave it. Don't try to make it better. Don't try to make it go away. I mean, there's, I, I think people know, I mean, I think we know, I think there's a huge amount of joy that can even emerge from not having to keep the show going. There's so much authentic joy that would come out being together with anybody who, without having to keep that, the mask on, the show going, you know, the, the fake thing, the, the trying to look good or trying to, trying to know. So, hello. Thank you. Did somebody else have their hand up that we didn't see? Anybody else? Lisa Favero, did you want to say something? Okay. Come on. I... Hold on a second. Hold on. Come on, Lisa, will you say that? You, you don't have to know what you're going to say. Just say that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't feel anything emerging to say right now. Okay, but you are feeling something. I am. I Just feel. Say it. I feel tremendous grief. About. About. The strictures I have placed on receiving and giving.
to protect myself. Thank you. I had the I have the same thing. Thank you for saying that. You know, I don't know how much it helps. You know, time has gone by. You know, years have gone by, hidden behind these structures, and rules or qualifications. So many qualifications. And trying to trying to maintain a belief system or a, some concept of what love should be or how love's supposed to be or and trying to keep you know a certain high certain quality to keep that and years go by and those cannot come back those won't come back vera thank you lisa vera I, I answered in the second question that um, I feel love by not, not really being alive, by not really being alive and by trying to be or, or whatever, be in a love space with other people that I didn't want them to be alive as well. And, and now that I heard you speak after Lisa, I was just noticing how when I was a kid, I really, it was really painful to, to live in, 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 in the sense that I would not, I would not, and there was such dissonance between what I experienced inside and what I would see outside. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. There was so there was such dissonance, and I remember that I didn't want to be alive in this world. I didn't want to 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 do the same thing, but then I spent most of my adolescent years trying to learn that way, trying to learn the way that other people were doing, trying to learn not to be alive in this world. And I'm I'm sad. I'm really sad about that because, like you said, I don't get those years back. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. Sarah? I haven't taken responsibility for actually asking myself what love means to me. And I'm not sure. And I've lacked, I've lacked the courage to actually, when I have asked those questions, I've lacked the courage to actually live the answers fully. That's what I've got so far. Thank you. 
Gloria. Hello. Have you been here before? Were you here before? Do you, what it, how was it for you? How was the, um, how were the questions and the interaction for me? Approximately. I felt more sadness with the first question. Um, I also had a difficult time understanding how love could fail me. For me, it was more of how the concept of love could fail me and the narratives around what love was that sort of failed my understanding of love. I also really appreciated having the connection with my partner and having that, that intimacy. Yeah, so I was really grateful for that. Yeah. Great. Uh, thank you. Thanks thank for... You. Yeah, I mean, we're, and Chloe and I were planning to do this more regularly in the study group to just have a chance to make it a little more personal and, and connected more. So this will be part more integrated into what we're doing on this journey together. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, my name is Tom Roberts. Hello, Tom. I'm Barbara's husband. It says Thomas on my passport. I, um, I would never say that love failed me. I think love is an immense power in the universe for good. And I think we fail it a lot, and I fail it also. But I'm, uh, and I've been married twice, and I had another relationship in between. And in both of those cases, I was not able to communicate well enough to uh, ask for what I wanted. And I didn't know what it means to be in a relationship, really. Uh, now I'm married to Barbara, and uh, I've given myself 30 years. And we've been married 11 now. And we're still working on it. And it's been difficult sometimes, and it's there have been very wonderful moments, and but um, yeah, uh, we're still working on it. And there are um, huge, huge depths of um, kind of to expand into 
in in the in the whole question of love there's there's uh there's much more dimension in it than than i have achieved until now thank you for speaking out thank you I'm going to use that as a bouncing board to jump into <laughs> a section 3C in the book on page 57 that is titled Ordinary Man. So I Here it goes. <clears throat> Being a man in a patriarchy is like being a child in a daycare center, not knowing that just outside the nursery door is a vast world waiting for you to grow up into. A lot of this is about the patriarchy because it's about making, it's about making like a fish is in the water. It's like making the water visible because we're, we're born and raised in the patriarchy. And so the most difficult thing is to distinguish the patriarchy. You cannot get out, you cannot escape the patriarchy until you can distinguish it, to notice it. This section addresses both men and women about the special circumstances of being a man raised in a patriarchy. Please understand that these ideas are not about archetypal man. Investigating what it is to become archetypal man will come later on in this book and later in our evolution as men. We must first become a responsible adult man before we can even begin exploring the delicacies of becoming archetypal man. Our present condition as so-called men in Western civilization is much worse than we think. Men in a patriarchy do not have to grow up. Men in a patriarchy are not shown how to become authentically powerful by allow, al aligning ourselves with the force of evolution. In a patriarchy, men are protected. And you can read that as imprisoned. Men are imprisoned in their infancy by the same arrogance that the patriarchy uses to protect itself. Even if the men holding power positions in the government, the military, religion, education, science, or business, including the entertainment industry and the media. These men are handicapped with immaturities because patriarchy does not initiate men into their own proper manhood. Now, I read this feeling like almost everybody here already knows this. So I'm just, I'm just saying it 
because it's in black and white. It's right here. The patriarchy leaves men as intellectually educated, self-centered little boys with underdeveloped emotions and small-minded visions in adult male bodies. This is a harsh generalization. If you are a man, if you're male, see if you can let your heart rather than your mind digest the assessment to figure out if any parts of it are true. If you are a woman, ask yourself if you agree with the assessment or not. Not so long ago, incomplete masculine development made little difference in the big picture existence of humanity on earth. That is because, it's a, a side note, that is because those who were not initiated were not given positions of power in the village. Straightforward. You're not initiated, everybody knows. And you have, there's no way you could have any position of power in the village at all for the rest of your life. These days, the consequences of uninitiated men, it are have, the consequences have changed. For example, there is a gap between our present use of technology and the skills needed for living naturally on the earth. The gap is now so big that without our technology, we do not know how to live on the earth. This is called technopreneuriophobia. I think we'll talk about it later. Beneath our shallow bravado is a deep fear of losing our dependent use of technology. Technopreneuriophobia. See section 7C. That so this technopreneuriophobia unconsciously but seriously restricts our behavior, constrains us. We think that we own technology because we created it, but because of our dependency on technology, the technology owns us. We cannot live without our technology, but we also cannot live with it. Due to the toxicity of our technological byproducts and the impact of modern weaponry, our immaturity as men threatens to annihilate the human race, if not all of life on earth. Men in a patriarchy make an erroneous assumption. We assume that having an adult male body automatically makes us adults. Modern culture tells us nothing different, but in fact, there is a world of difference between having an adult male body and being an adult man. If you, as a man, someday wish to learn the difference, you can do so by asking 15 or 20 strong, centered, clear-minded, vocal adult women to express it to you personally, specifically, directly, en masse for about an hour. You must promise to stand there and only listen. 
the avalanche of pure anguish, the torrent of feminine fury, the incessant clarity of the accusations, the incisive clarity of the accusations, the simple beauty of what a woman desires, and the profound sorrow over unattained possibilities will bury you in self-reproach with no way to ever dig your way out while retaining any integrity. You have no integrity. I strongly recommend that you do this for yourself or come to one of my men's trainings and we'll do it for you. The impact of women's unrestricted voices speaking in harmony, the look in their eyes, the stoop of their weight-bearing shoulders and the cry in their still-aching hearts will be an experience you will never forget for the rest of your days. Men raised in a patriarchy by women. The situation of present day men is worse than simply being raised in a patriarchy. Men are raised in a patriarchy by women. We have no idea what this does to the possibility of becoming a man in our neurotic, technological, time-stressed, entertainment-oriented, comfort-pandering culture. Men do not do the child raising. Men are at work. Men are out of the house doing whatever men do in a patriarchy to stay out of the house. It is women who raise the children. Boys are raised by women who are living in a patriarchy. This is very bad news for any man hoping to authentically grow up. Think about it for a moment. Consider the unconscious mechanisms that must be cooking in a familial stew pot. Women in any culture want and deserve to be respected as equal citizens without reason, just as the men want and deserve. But in a patriarchy, feminine ways of being are seldom given the same respect as masculine viewpoints. This subtle imbalance insinuates women into a slave class and rage over the degradation unconsciously infiltrates a mother's relationship with her boy children. Strong withheld feelings and serpentine female thoughts cook together in the bowels of the patriarchy. Some of the twists do not even come from a woman's own experience. They are passed down from her mother. A mother's womanly disgust as well as her hopes, her outrage as well as her justifications, produce two unrecognized strategies in her relationship to her son. Either she tries to sensitize or feminize the boy so that he will not grow up to disrespect or hurt and abandon women the way she may have been treated by men in the patriarchy. Or she dominates, invades, and controls the boy, destroys him basically, so he can never acquire enough power to abuse. In either of these strategies, either of these strategies deform a boy's self-experience for a lifetime. And by making such privacies her business, the mother may end up feeling closer to the boy than she does to her own husband. 
in addition to the mother's influence, most of a boy's teachers during 12 years of schooling are also women. What happens when a boy grows up with the vast majority of his instructors and authority figures and adult role models being women? A woman trying to feminize or dominate a boy generates deep distortions in his future relationships with women that are at least as disruptive as a woman being too distant. We would, by, we would be naive to think that these distortions are self-correcting. They are not self-correcting. It's a huge amount of work in five bodies, healing, a lot of healing work needs that. So I'm going to read some more before we talk. We get to the next section. The next section is who is dad? Boys do not know who dad is. A modern dad is often not around. Modern life pulls dad away from home and away from his children. He is out there somewhere, working, leaving a vacuum where a child's role model for human manhood should be. To see our dad for an hour or so on Saturday afternoon mowing the grass or reading the newspaper is pitifully insufficient. Boys need a man as a role model day in and day out for years, a man to stand with, to imitate, to wrestle with, to smell and to be confirmed by. And girls need to see a dad teaching the boys about manhood. What boys learn about manhood in modern present culture is how to be absent. We imitate our absent dads. We continue being absent when we avoid challenging responsibilities rather than grabbing them by the horns. We exhibit absenteeism when we ignore our profound desires to make our lives about what truly matters to us and to make the world a better place to live and instead limit our creations to what is defined by modern culture as normal and expected. This is how we are absent from ourselves and our own lives. Then we pass on the tradition of absenteeism by being absent from our own sons. As a modern man lies alone on his sterile hospital deathbed, aching from some unfathomable disease, he wonders what life was supposed to be all about. Where did his life go? What was the purpose of it all? Life was there. We were not. We were obediently absent. Why are we talking about all of this? Because consciousness creates freedom. By gaining additional perspectives about what transpires during the course of our lives, we gain the possibility of creating something different. Since we are not trained to be conscious of the patriarchy in which we live, we are not free of the patriarchy. Without consciousness, we have no freedom. In other words, without 
our realizing it. The patriarchy owns our body, mind, heart, and soul, and destiny, and dictates our destiny. When the patriarchy does not move, we We've lost the sound. And Chloe said I was cut off about here. The question was, I said life was there, we were not. We were obediently absent. Why are we talking about all of this? And why are we talking about it in the book? Because consciousness creates freedom. By gaining additional perspectives, about what transpires during the course of our lives, we gain the possibility of creating something different. Since we are not trained to be conscious of the patriarchy in which we live, we were born and raised, we are not free of the patriarchy. Without consciousness, we have no freedom. In other words, without our realizing it, the patriarchy owns our body, mind, heart, and soul, and dictates our destiny. When the patriarchy does not move, we men and women do not move. Where the patriarchy cannot go, we men and women cannot go. What men once created as a refuge has turned out to be our prison. We are indeed asleep with poop in our pants. In order to grow up, we men are challenged to intelligently and effectively deal with the special condition of being a man raised in a patriarchy. Modern culture does not train us how to grow into our true maturity. As a result, modern culture is left largely without grown-up men and almost no men realize the loss. If as either men or women, you are moved to explore and expand into the possibilities inherent in the human form, then you are, quite, you are quite likely to be far more successful if you research outside of the thought limits of modern Western culture to encounter those possibilities. The next section is called Ordinary Woman. And as you can imagine, has this kind of stuff in it. Let's talk, let's, let's talk for a few minutes. Anybody have anything about men in the patriarchy? Yes. Lior. 
I resonate deeply personally with everything you said about the uh, men in the patriarchal world. Um, what can I do about it practically? How can I father myself into becoming the man that I want to be? The point of the whole section, the reason why we are delving, why we go into this painful realization section is the way out is the way is the way the way through is the way out like try to stay in the pain that you're feeling right now every single one of these sentences has pain in it i remember writing these pages just crying just screaming i would i would I would scream at, about this. I had, I had made spaces to do rage work so I could write these things. I, nobody around me was telling me these things. This is, did not come from my father. I didn't get this from some teaching or some other book. This was, each one of these sentences is a death for me. It's a death of of my framework, of the chance I had to grow up. It was the death of a good world. It was the death of support. And, and so, so the way, this thing about consciousness is to become nothing. There is nothing you can do about it except stay in the pain of it. Now, this is not a cheerful, positive answer to your question. This is not write three sentences and tape them to your refrigerator and look at them each morning. This is not try to be nice or try to be good or donate 10% of your money to some organization. This is none of those easy things. They, those do not work. This is, by now you know that. None of that stuff works. No, this is about the expansion of awareness. Awareness doesn't expand except transformationally. Transformation means something dies, and then there's nothing but ashes. So, Lior, it's about staying in the, in the fire. Stay in the fire. Stay in the fire and keep breathing and keep letting things burn. And that is what to do. Stay in the fire. It's hard to trust it because this fire and this pain just keeps coming for so long and I'm starting to have this guilt that maybe I'm not doing something right. Maybe I'm not proactive enough. Like this, uh, you know, self-judgment. There's a great website to look on that would help you with that called unmixed feelings unmixed emotions sorry unmixed emotions dot my strikingly.com and i tell you that because it's when you start feeling guilt it means you're feeling something and it turns out that guilt is a mixed emotion 
So guilt is made out of, it has anger in it. Can you feel that? How guilt has anger in it? You're angry at the thing that makes you feel guilty. And you can separate the anger out of the guilt. Then you have anger. That is useful. Guilt also has sadness in it. The sadness of doing something not good, of not succeeding, of not making everybody happy, the sadness of, of failing. Well, pull the sadness out of the guilt. Then you have this pure sadness that is useful. And then there's fear in guilt. The fear that you don't, you might do it again. The fear that you might be punished. The fear that there are bad consequences. The fear that you don't know, that you can't control things. Take the fear out of the guilt. You separate this. The website tells you how to do this. So you take the fear out and you have fear and fear is so valuable. So then you, when you take the anger and the sadness and the fear out of your guilt, there is no more guilt and you are feeling things. And this is helpful. This is useful stuff. So I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you're feeling guilty. Now take it apart. It's best to do that with somebody who's, who's separated emotions before. Is there somebody in here who's, who's guided the separating emotions process for somebody else and could help? So Eva has her hand up. Uh, Vera has her hand up. Uh, Ethna has her hand up. There's, that's three. And there's somebody else, Ramona, Annie, Doris, Nicole, and Michelle. So, Lior, do you have those names? I'll write it down. There's Ethna, yeah. you got them? And Ramona? Yeah, I got it. Ramona and Michelle. Okay, great. So, get with two of them. See. If Annie, you had your hand up too, right? Yeah, Annie's there. So get with, make a call, have two of them take you through this separation process. It is fantastic. It is, it is a fantastic thing to do. Anybody can do this. You want to separate emotions, get with somebody who can do that for you. It is because the thing is, after the emotions are separated, you can put them... After your separation, after your emotions are separated, you can put them back into your body where they belong. And it's, it's just an excellent, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, explain that part right now. It's just that each of the four feelings belong in certain places in your body, and then they are functional. Then they serve you. Then they're strong and clear and, and alive. So that's the value of separating the emotions is that you can put them back in where they belong. Go ahead, Aunt Chloe. Yeah, I just want to make clear that the instructions are on the website about unmixing emotion and it needs a space holder. And, and as Clinton said, the best is that to have somebody who's been through that initiation so that they know what the experience is and what, how to guide you. If, you. if you don't find such person, also do not do it alone 
because nothing will really happen because you need another consciousness to complete saying, okay, now I hear your anger is this and your sadness is about this and your fear is about this. And now you can put them back in your body, but it needs really another consciousness. All of this work need, it happens in team. Yeah. Thank you. And, and there's so much skill in you guys. There's so much skill in this circle of people right here. Really, I, I don't know if you're doing it enough. Really take some risk. Really call up people you don't know. Just, just ask them to do this for you. It is a wild experience. It is wonderful. Real stuff happens. And, and after the second or third time, you'll get how it goes. And it will, then you'll jump in. You'll just like, it'll be, it's, yeah, it's really Nicole's supporting this. <laughs> Can it's I, really can I say ahead. something? Yeah, something else about I mean it is it is incredible that there is a possibility of doing emotional healing process. It's it is so far out of modern culture or of the realm of possibility that we can do one process, it's a 20 minute, 30 minute, an hour, maybe an hour and a half process, and whatever emotion you were feeling before, you will never feel it again. And all that time where it could have been triggered, you get to be present and you get to be here and get to be connected and, and be in action. And, and so, but it's, it's, it's new territory. For a lot of us, it's also new territory. And I remember it helped me to see other people going through processes before to say, ah, okay, this is how it goes. So when you see people in the WhatsApp group say, I need a healing process. And some people say, okay, I'm holding space for you. You can also say, can I join and, and, and just be a witness? Because I need to know how it goes. It's part of the intellectual body and the other body that needs to know how it goes before um, jumping in. So you can also ask that to be a witness. Thank you. Modern culture teaches us to avoid, and I, I know we will get into it sooner or later, we're going to get into the whole feeling sections in the book, but right now it's also important to know that modern culture teaches us to avoid feeling anything, sadness, anger, fear especially. And while we're reading through this stuff together, it's very clear. These are, uh, the book is written rather memetically like it goes right into your memes it's designed to confront your memes and to have you look at the way that you think that's what a meme is it's what you are thinking with and the book is designed to have you look inside we usually look outside but the book is designed to have you look inside at what you are thinking with the book these ideas are clear enough to confront your own memes that is not pain-free experience. So that is on purpose. And so while we are doing this, you will feel pain. We are very good at having a very high numbness bar. We've had it our whole lives, this high numbness bar, so that the pain that we're actually feeling, we don't feel the pain that we're feeling. Cutting ourselves off from the pain that we're feeling. This pain is transformational fire. It is a resource we need to evolve. 
So I'm jumping ahead in in the book. You know, I wish I wish the book would say everything all at once. I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but I would like it to say everything all at once. But what you need to do now is have the the courage to lower the numbness bar so that you can be feeling this pain, just like Lior is talking about, exactly that pain. And don't try to avoid it and don't try to make it go away and don't be a victim of it. This is not punishment. This is clarity. This is what's going on. This is the poop on the table. And so the point is to let yourself feel the pain and then call on each other to go through, use the pain for the, for the evolution. Nicole, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I'd, like, I'd like to let it be known that I'm a woman who is ready to um, do what's described in this in this possibility of um, learning, asking 15 or 20 um, strong, centered, clear-minded, vocal adult women. I'm available for that for anyone who, who is ready for that. Great. Thank you. I used to sometimes, yeah, I'll repeat it, Vera. Um, Nicole is saying, you know, I mentioned this archetypal man-woman process where the women are willing to say what's really going on to the men listening, to help the men face into the reality. Nicole says she's willing to be one of the women to download you know, to, to become the archetypal space through which this archetypal feminine can land this in the men. So Nicole and, and Ethna is also saying yes um, to being one of the women and Shannon and Lisa. Okay, you guys, so that if there's any men and Sarah who who is, I totally recommend this. I totally recommend this. Uh, I don't, I, I've, I've probably been in that space 15 times, 14 times, and it's still in me. It is still in me, the gift that it was from the women. Like it puts me on my knees in front of women. It puts me on my knees. And, and that's where I should be. That's where I need to be. That's where I, God, it is, it is like, In any case, any any man who who can arrange that, please arrange it. You've got some great team people here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was saying that I did some work in radio very briefly, and there's a phrase in radio called dead time. And what that it means is, when you're on the air as a disc jockey, a radio announcer, you do not want to leave space in the transmission because the people who are listening to the radio think there's some problem with the radio. 
or uh, they need the blah blah, the ongoing chatter to fill up their mind. And as soon as you leave dead time, then then the then they people start listening. They start they start knowing what they're feeling. They start feeling what they're feeling. And so the radio is on to keep you numb. And the the radio. So if you leave dead time, then people start feeling. So in this space. I, it's so wonderful when we have these spaces where no, we're, we're just being here. It's just a completely different purpose that there's this collaboration at the energetic level of being together in this space, considering or feeling or noticing or connecting with the team out there. So um it's not i just wanted to be clear it's not a mistake it's not like i cannot think of something to say in these dead times the dead times these these empty spaces are perhaps some of the most valuable moments that go on here in the group together that there's this aliveness far beyond the verbal level happening i just wanted to say it verbally that when we're being nonverbal, it's not an accident it's not a problem and to try to let it in, to try to let it come. Is, is there, you know, I, I apologized before when we first started reading this section, knowing that we were going to go straight into underworld. The whole first third of the book is underworld. It's, it's, it's the shadow of purposes. It's the ordinary. It is the unconscious. And this this part of the journey is if you're if you're talking about a hero's journey this is when we all fail together this is when we're lost and confused and feeling betrayed and there's no trail and the, the rug is pulled out from underneath what we thought who we were and what we thought society was and what we thought men and women were and what we thought our parents were and all this is just pulled out from underneath us it is not a pleasant journey and yet it's uh it's it's kind of the thing that this whatever yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death you know that's the thing that lets you face your fears of evil because each of us also has evil in us and we will get there we will get to this part and to face into that is again, it's not pretty. And if you don't own it, it owns you. Whatever part of your shadow world you do not own, owns you. And if you're on the front trying to be a nice person, then what comes out on this side is insults and rejection and hurtful things that come out sideways. And to pretend that we can superficialize the underworld is maximum delusion. I myself have, my first 30 years, of 39 years of my life, I was in that delusion. I, I can't believe it sometimes. There's a lot of you in here that are way younger than 39 years old. And so you're way ahead of me. I mean, I really, I did not first confront anything that was the edge of modern culture or that was that was anything 
otherworldly in myself. I did not be, even begin to feel it or confront it till I was 39 years old. And even then, I was slow. It took me a long time. It took me years. It took me really years before. I mean, I did not even discover about my own gremlin until, until whatever, 2001. So uh, however old I was when I was 2001, that's like almost 50 years old. And I'm only 53 now. So this is not so long ago. And Chloe. So, so really, so this, this part of the journey, we have to hang together. We really need to hang together and help and help listen to the pain from each other. And the more you can do it, the more specific you can be with letting the pain come up and feeling it with the conscious witnesses, the, the, the better off the rest of the journey will be. The foundation of our journey is being built now. And, you know, if, if there's people who try to jump into this radiant joy, brilliant love, building love that lasts, study group, you know, four months from now or something, I'm just going to say, start at the beginning, something like that. I don't know. It's going to, it's, it's not going to work for them. People coming in six months from now thinking, oh, yes, this is all that. really, this is cool stuff. And you guys will, it'll be like at the end of the Lord of the Rings movie where the three hobbits are sitting in the bar. One guy has his finger bit off, you know, and the rest of them are so bedraggled and calloused and cut up and burnt, and stepped on and dragged around. And they're sitting at the bar looking at each other and nobody else in the bar has any idea what they've been through. They have no idea. And that's how this is going to be. This is us. We're going through it. We're going through those dark lands together now. And so in a way it's a celebration. It's, it's a time to celebrate, but the celebrate is by sharing the sadness and sharing the rage and sharing this fear. I don't, I don't think, you know, sometimes we're, whatever, 30 people in here, whatever, however many people we are in this little room, and compared to how many people should be in here, you know, it should be like 30,000 people in here, my opinion, then like, what kind of difference is it going to make in the world? And on the one hand, it's almost immeasurably small. And on the other hand, it's everything. Because each change you make in yourself, every bit of it that you make conscious in yourself, puts out a different frequency in the world. Everywhere you go, day and night, you're putting out a different frequency. Your awareness has changed. It's a painful birth. And this is how it goes. And yeah. I just want to thank everyone for being here, for being on this journey. It's we've already reached our hour and a half official cutoff time. I'm going to still be here, and Chloe and I will be here for a while. If you need to go, the hour and a half is over. If you want to stick around and comment or ask questions or share something, we'd love to hang out with you for a little longer. So if anybody needs to go now, thank you for being here and see you next week.
And uh, yeah, whoever would like to stick around just will be here. So great. Hey, Clinton, I have a question. Go ahead. Can you speak more about, uh, so in the book you say that men in patriarchy are protected, meaning imprisoned. Um, can you speak more about how they are? I mean, you do say a few things already, but um, can you say a little bit more? Bear, could you please dive to the next level of your question? Like, what is it that you really need to hear about? When I when I speak with men about about this, it's it's they don't understand it. It's um, either yeah, it affects uh, the suicide rates um, because they're they're really big in men and the, the the lack of support. And then the the men that I know mostly, they're not they're not totally in the patriarchy, or they think they're not totally in the patriarchy. So for them, it's like, oh, but I'm not there because I, I, I'm in contact with my feelings or I don't do these things. I respect women. So I'm not in the patriarchy. So I'd like to, mm, to find other ways to, to communicate, um, to bridge this, this process with them. <clears throat> the, the, the pictures are, or whatever that are coming to mind are not pretty. And it's like a guy saying, you know, I'm not a rapist. I only rape people sometimes. The same thing. I'm not a thief. I only steal things sometimes. I'm not a murderer. You know, I, I have only murdered a few people, but today I didn't murder anybody. So, so for me, I've had to develop a sword it's a sword of clarity. It's an energetic sword. And it, the distinction that's been difficult for me is the distinction bet have, between having a sword of clarity and being fanatical. Because, because to be fanatical is to hold a belief or a position and to, be, to have this uh, no doubts, you know, the kind of doubtlessness. And it's a, it's a belief system. It's a belief system, uh, patriarchy's bad, or all men are in the patriarchy, or, and, and you know, what's said in the book here is almost that. It is almost saying that, but it's not. It's not saying that. And it requires each of us to develop, sharpen up this sword and hold it and to be precise about it. And what helps me to do that is to minimize my now and minimize my here. So what that means is, is to not include what might happen in the future, to not include what has happened in the past, and to take uh, the what's happening right now to be very very small now, it's happening right now. So that if, if you're with a man in front of you and it, you can, it's that thing right now that you just thought, did, felt, spoke, 
like that is patriarchy and I'm not having any of it, whatever. And so, because I myself, you know, so that's, I stand in a different culture. This is, you know, you can, you can be clear about this. You can say, I, my culture is right here and it's not patriarchal. And that little thing, that behavior, what you, the way you rolled your eyes, the tone in your voice, the comment that you just made, this is patriarchal and, and I'm, it's not, I'm not playing. I'm not, I'm not conforming. I am not being adaptive to that contamination. I'm not allowing myself, this space, to be poisoned by that. So um, it's forbidden. It's, and it's not this rule, it's a, it's a piece of clarity. It's like saying, you, you, you just dropped a plastic, you just let the waitress bring a straw to you at the restaurant without saying anything. You let the waitress or waiter bring you a straw in your orange juice. What's, what is that? This is the patriarchy. It is like I sit down in a restaurant, I have my sword out and I have this list that I've memorized. Like no straw, no plastic, no plastic forks, no, no cap on my coffee cup, no plastic coffee cups. I have this long list of stuff and I'm on top of them. I'm just like this eagle, this hawk, you know, I'm just dragging, leaning over the bar at the, at the cafe. And I'm going, no, 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 no. And if you can't do it, I walk out. You know, if they can't do it, I leave. I say, if, if it's against the rule, if you have to give me a, a plastic top on my cup, I'm leaving. And I go. So it's, it's like, this is one kind of an example. But it's, it's the kind of example that makes the distinction. So I'm not trying to change them. I'm just not willing to be adaptive with my culture to adapt to their unconsciousness, to the unconsciousness of the patriarchy. I'm unwilling to submit to the patriarchy in, in those ways, in any way. So mm, does that help? Yes. It's really, it's your sword. It is your sword and it isn't fanatical, but it is adamant, it's imminent. It doesn't go away. It's it's present in a small, precise now, and it's it's nasty. It is loud. It's obtrusive. It it disruptive. It is a disruptive sort of clarity around you, and just enjoy the hell out of it. Like, you know, so fucking what? You know, I mean, what if people? What if you yell at somebody in the middle of the cafe? I said no strong. You get up and walk out and don't pay. You just stand up and walk out. And it's like, so what? I mean, the world is sleeping out there. And uh, it's not about trying to be invisible because you're not going to get burned at the stake anymore. You have to go through those processes to be clear that you will not be identified by the Inquisition and taken aside and burned at the stake anymore. You have to go through those emotional healing processes with each other here. 
You need to do that so you can stand up and show up and play full out. Because th those times are not present times. It is old shit. So get through it. Get over it. Because this is time to play full out. And Chloe, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was... I mean, you mentioned it already, but I, I wanted to make it more clear that it seems like you might need to change your purpose because the way you asked the question was, I'm trying to have a conversation mm -hmm. and that will not work. You're trying to convert somebody and that will come out even more fanatical than being clear. That will come out fanatical. And so then the question is, what's your purpose trying to have a conversation? And, and I know you're traveling around and and going into community and you know people are around and probably asking you what are you doing and and i would say what well, do you really want to know you know before answering and saying no 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 no, i'm doing this and it's amazing and it's like do you really want to know because it's going to change your life so are you ready for that answer okay then you get them present instead of you know filling a cup already full so yeah it's about you basically carrying your culture around and not trying to convert people. But you, if you carry it with the most integrity, the most integrity in your culture, then people will be shocked because people have zero integrity. Most people have no integrity. And that, and, and that will wake people up. And that's, that's the best we can do, I think, is sort of to give wake-up calls around. And then people will come knock at your door and a week or two months or 10 years and be like, you remember that moment? God, I'm still thinking about it. Um, thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, each, each person here, each one of us here is already has enough distinctions in your sense. Your sensitivity is developed enough in your distinctions that you can be a consultant for personal development right now as a coach you know if you can distinguish mad sad glad and scared that is not a, a feeling you know it's an emotion and you can name that and you can separate emotions for people this is a profession so you can quit your corporate job and you can provide you can walk through the world as a vajra sword the word Vajra is a Tibetan or Sanskrit word. It just means really sharp. It's like diamond sharp flaming sword. And it isn't about fanaticism. It is not fanatical. I mean, and Chloe and I, we went to the beach the other day and we came back and we picked up a whole bag of aluminum cans and trash from the trail. This is in Crete. Okay, so I walked into a restaurant and I just looked around and they had a small trash can and, and I packed their trash can to over full with the garbage that I picked up outside the restaurant down to the beach. I didn't say a word, but everybody in the restaurant saw what I was doing. I dropped a few cans and made some noise. I pushed it down, you know, I, I, I overemphasized, but I, I was not a victim and I didn't say a word. I did not ask permission. I did not make any excuses. I was not nice. I was not invisible. I did the thing. And then I sat down and we had some something to eat or whatever. But it, all I'm saying is, mm, you can walk through the world as this transformation, transformational agency. 
You have agents, you have transformational agency already, and you can be paid for it because it is valuable. It takes, I have to say this thing over and over again to people, to you guys, because most people just don't believe me at first. But those people who believe me, just if they believe Anne Chloe saying this and start to do it, they're already free of their corporate jobs. They're already, um, they're already a, an agent of their archetypal lineage. And Are you muted or something? Okay. I uh, have a question and it's also because of the next line in the book, if I can read it, which is about ordinary women. And it says being a woman in the patriarchy is like being a black person in a white, white person society. The white people have no idea. So being a woman is like being a woman in a man's world. The, the men have no idea. And and so my experience is that this is why we have more women here is we're on our way to get liberated. And there's also this pain of, well, either, either men are going to do the work to be with us. And there's in a way there's like, okay, nothing we can, how, you know, how much can we do something about that? And, and now there's this conversation happening. There's a, a new WhatsApp group started by Scott East about a person of color and black person and how to in integrate them also into this work of possibility management. And now I have this question about sh should I, or could I, would it be useful for me to stand there in front of 10 black person or person of color and hear their pain the same way the men would do this with 10 or 15 women, you know, expressing their pain. And yeah, I, I guess I do have this question. It's, I, there's a part of me that just, I, I don't feel this pain. And now I'm starting to relate to men who do not feel the pain of the woman because I'm here in a white person in a white person's world being, you have to do the, I don't know. Well, you have to do the work or, I, I, anyway, I'm facing into not having felt the pain of the person of color and black people. And so I'm, yeah, I guess I'm putting that question out there. Could I change the subject just for a moment? Yes, yes. Ava, you want to say what's going on? <laughs> when Anne Claw said that they have no idea how to be a woman in man's world, Eva, let the words come out. Let the words come out. <laughs> I think 
I want to tell you a trick. It's a trick for doing this. You don't have to know what you will say before your heart says it. You just put your mouth to your heart and bypass your brain, skip your brain, and you don't know what you're going to say next. Just let your heart speak. It has words. You can do this. Try it for one minute. Just let it speak. <laughs> Even if it makes sounds. Yes, go. It's so hard. Yes. <laughs> what is hard? Say say an example. Say what happened. It's so hard to be a woman. <laughs> so hard. So Tell hard. us an example. <laughs> It's so hard to have children. It's so hard to, to take care about everybody. <laughs> and nobody, nobody care about you. want to try a little experiment on the line here could you guys unmute yourselves and just say ava's name her name is ava just unmute yourself and do this and say ava just let it in ava Looking, Ava, keep letting it in. Let it come in.
have a question. Phyllis, go ahead. When in an inter interaction with a man, how can I know when it's the patriarchy talking and when it's my gremlin interacting? Ms. Destremo. <laughs> I think it's an important question. <clears throat> it's a very important question. And I, I don't think there's a method. And, and what I notice in my own um, building a relationship with my gremlin and being in relationship with men and women, because I, I'm, I've also patriarchal behaviors happen from woman to woman is that something will happen. I, there will be an offer and I will try something and then there will be a result. And either the results is uh, some cl uh, more clarity or, or, or the result would be low, like low drama. I think the, the truth is there is an action and then Either it, it ends up in low drama or it, it shows up at high, as high drama. And, and then it's to either result is to stay connected. In either case is to keep the connection and to say, and even afterwards, if to, a month after saying, remember that time, actually that was my gremlin and I am so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I've been doing this for my entire life and, and, and again, I did it with you and, and, I, and I'm going through the emotional healing process or I, I decided to do the emotional healing process today or tomorrow or, and, and it could be that your clarity uh, triggers emotion across and they would, you know, that they feel attacked or they feel criticized or they feel belittled or, that could be the case. And, and somehow it becomes very clear. It becomes very clear, okay, that you've gave a, a piece of clarity and that they're having an emotion and that if, if you only gave clarity, if it didn't come from your gremlin, you can stay connected and say, it seems like you're feeling something. And it seems... Is it a feeling or, you know, what are you feeling? Angry, mad, sad, glad, and scared. And is it a feeling or an emotion? Have you felt like that before from a woman? My assumption would be that yes. And, but it, in a way, it's not saying, well, go through the emotional healing process. I mean, and then, and then there's a part of staying connected with that and say, okay, I hear that you're having an emotional healing process and that has nothing to do with me. And, and I would like to be able to negotiate that in our relationship. So are you willing to go through the emotional healing process? So are you willing to go through a negotiation about that? Or, so I think that is a big hint for me is if I can 
I can be clear about what I don't want or what I want also. I'm going through this really practice and emotional healing process about discovering that as a patriarchal survival, and I'm guessing it is really, I've developed that around my dad and then around other men is that I, I've detect, I have this really fast detector of what, assuming what the men wants. And then when I'm going to say what I want, I'm going to say what I want so that the man gets what he wants. And I'm going to sort of walk around that and make up a story that that's what I want and, and convince myself. Okay. And, and, and I just realized that. And now my practice is to put on the table this inner conversation. Yeah. I can give an example. Very simple about, do do you do you want to eat in this restaurant or do you want to eat in the other restaurant it's really as simple as that and i'm going to be okay he he said two hours ago that he might want some meat and this is a fish restaurant and i don't know if they have meat so i'm going to propose the other restaurant even if maybe i could have found something that i would like there so it is it sounds such small things but it creates this inauthenticity and this adaptiveness and this um, mess and, and, and it missed the option of, of being, being alive in a creation space. It's really missing. The sadness comes from missing this opportunity of saying, actually, let's not eat in any of those restaurants and let's, you know, get find a picnic and we're going to eat by the beach and eat on the beach because that's actually, out of that negotiation, that's what is possible. And so it, it shrinks the possibilities. And, and so what I wanted to say is the clarity about, okay, this isn't what I don't want in a relationship because this is patriarchal behavior or this is creating separation, but also being able to say what you want in a relationship. And if there is... Um, the big hint, that's what I want to say. The big hint is if there's a reaction across and you can stay connected to that reaction, probably it came from a centered place. And if there's a reaction across and you get reactive, then, then assume that the whole conversation was gremlin. Just make the assumption that the whole conversation was gremlin. Because why are you ending up again in a low drama? So your gremlin is setting up traps for you and whoever's across to end up in the gremlin, in the gremlin zone. And, and I, I, what I, I think I give this experiment to Nicole. We were just messaging back and forth and i give i give nicole two po two possibility and two practices to do at the same time and one is to get better and better at creating shifts in the conversation so you make an offer and you get a low drama hooked reactive emotional answer across and to practice ways to move this conversation to a meta conversation to an emotional healing process to an authentic conversation. And often that would happen by question. And it can be, for example, that you remember two, three, four, five questions 
that kind of worked in that, that work in every com like unfair conversation that works for anybody who's hooked across from you saying it seems like something is going on from you from what i said can you say more about that like so, some stuff like that so that's one practice to get better and better and more elegant at staying in connection with clarity and then the second practice is every time you end up in low drama there is no other way that you wanted low drama there's no other possibility. If you end up in low drama, you wanted low drama. And so when you end up there, and it, so look at, okay, which part of me wanted this? Which part of my gremlin that I didn't feed? Which part of my box feels uh, safer in a relationship with a man because I end up in the same endless conversation? And, and you can, then you can write, okay, I have an identity that says, uh, I want to end up in patriarchal fights and those are the characteristic and this is exactly the way that I get in and I make this comment or ask this question at this moment or I, it goes so fast. It's like a, a little sarcastic comment and then, and then it's, that's, that's it. The whole space goes there. And then you get, you get to list your parts. And you have parts that want slow drama and parts that don't. But get to know thyself. So that would be the two practices. And I, yeah. Does that help, Phyllis? Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I just added a website to the chat about setcontext.mystrikingly.com. Um, where we're we're working with who is setting the context of the conversation and what is the context of the conversation who sets it how how do you set an extraordinary context for a conversation how do you shift an ordinary to an extraordinary context in a conversation there's all these are skills and uh they're crucial skills they're really amazing skills ingrid can you tell more about uh, the, the word context? Uh, I read it already in, in the website, but even there I didn't understand. The context, one example I used, I don't know if you read the website today. Did you read it today? No, I think before okay. some days ago. Okay, so uh, the context of a conversation is like the soil for a plant. It's, it's, it's the nutrients, it's the how much water does it have, how much mm, minerals and, and rocks does it have, is it sandy, is it clay? It determines what, what can grow out of the soil. And so the context is about, for example, do you allow beliefs? The context says, is it our beliefs allowed as something real in your conversation or are assumptions allowed or expectations do you allow somebody to have an expectation on somebody else and that that's real or can you do projections or emotional reactivity is is emotional reactivity given credence or not and 
how, how do you how to deal with emotional reactivity in the conversation? All of these things are kind of the background conversation. Is it still increased? This stuff is so important, it just fries the Wi-Fi circuit over here. I mean, it just cuts it off, overwhelms it. Anyway, I think you get the some idea about the importance of context, how to work with context, how it's part of the sword, whose context is it? Am I adaptive to fit into their context? Or do I put the context on the table and say, this is a messed up context. Let's I want to shift this into a completely different context. So so yeah, so the website has a bunch of experiments and distinctions about it and I'll be adding more. It's time for us to get on with our lives and back to experimenting. The theory part of this show is over. It is now time to practice. So thank you very much for participating in this extraordinary space. I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. this, Clinton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Janet. Bye, Janet. Bye. Janet. <laughs> Bye, Rudiger. <laughs> Tatiana. Bye, Miriam. Bye, Bye Mia. Mia. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Janet. Bye, Michelle. Tatiana. Thank you, Clinton Bye. and Chloe. Okay. Thank you. Bye, Michelle. Bye, Jack. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.